Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Primary Medicine Podcast. My name is Dr. Dimitri, and I'll be the host and the speaker today. This is our last podcast of the year. We'll be taking a break for December. It's a very busy period for all of us, and we'll be back in January. So I, I thought of doing a quick, interesting case here. Uh, obviously taken from the clinic, I had a mother and a teenage son coming in. Uh, first time I met these patients. Interestingly enough, the teenage son was worried that he might have Marfan syndrome. He had done a lot of research, and he had some compelling arguments, and he wanted to know whether he had it or not. Now, we probably all know what Marfan syndrome is. We've all seen it in school. It's a connective tissue disease. But it, I thought it's compelling to actually go over what it is exactly, how to diagnose it, and whether there's any treatment for myself as well as for all the listeners. So Marfan syndrome is actually an autosomal dominant condition. So very likely to see if one person has it, the child has it, likely one of the parents have it as well. And why is it important to know about this? It's because it does increase risk of certain deadly conditions such as an aortic aneurysm or dissection. We've talked about those before in past episodes, and that's pretty much a death sentence if you miss it. And unfortunately, people with Marfan syndrome tend to get these issues earlier on than people without. Most people without will get them in their 60s, but with Marfan syndrome, I get there earlier in the 40s. Marfan syndrome is that it occurs world, worldwide. There's no preference in women or men. And it's estimated to affect 1 in 5,000 to 1 in 10,000 people. So not, not extremely rare, not extremely common, I should say, but not rare either. The cause of Marfan syndrome is a gen, it's, a, it's actually a variant of the FBN1 gene which encodes fibrillin. Interestingly enough, a quarter of the cases actually, it's a de novo mutation of the FBN1 gene. So you might get some cases where the, the parent doesn't have it. Um, either the parents don't have it, and it means it's just a de novo mutation. Um, fibrillin is actually a key element of a lot of connective tissue, but specifically what it does, it provides elasticity and support of, uh, in the blood vessels, in the skin, in the cornea, and in the bone. In fact, interestingly enough, and I'll talk about this later as well, they did a study where they showed that the bone mineral density of people with Marfan syndrome tends to be lower than people without. It's not diagnostic, but if you happen to have a person, a young person with issues with, a, with low bone density, you may consider this as a differential. For example, let's say you do an x-ray on them because you won't necessarily do a BMD of bone density of somebody who's in their 40s. But if you, for example, do an x-ray and you see that there's... The x-ray sometimes don't mention that there's less bone density. Then in that case, you may consider this as a differential. And because um, fibrillin is found in all these parts of the body, it can cause a constellation of symptoms. And the way I like to break it down is into cardiovascular issues, skeletal issues, ocular issues, and skin issues. 
a lot of patients will actually be asymptomatic until there's some kind of issue that arises, right? So let's talk about the most common cardiovascular issues you can get. And I mentioned this in the beginning, the most common and most significant medical issue is ascending aortic dilation or dissection. What's crazy about dilation is 53% of people by age 10 to 20, 10 to 20 will have some dilation of the aorta. So you can see how certainly they can get a, they get ruptured aneurysm much earlier on than the average population. Fifth, around 50% of people will get mitral valve prolapse as well. So when talking about cardiovascular issues, it's mitral valve prolapse, 50%, and ascending aortic dilation around 50%. Thankfully, dissection is much more rare. It's up to 1%. What are the most common skeletal uh, symptoms? Scoliosis. Again, because the, the skeleton has less support, it has a higher tendency of uh, forming itself in abnormal ways. So scoliosis is very common. Almost 50% of people with Marfan's will have scoliosis. They can also get spondylolisthesis, which we've talked about previously. They get also a condition called dolicostenomalia, which is a fancy word to say that their limbs are abnormally long. So their legs, their fingers, their hands and hands are longer than they should be. And we'll talk about how you can see that on physical examination, because there's certain physical examinations you can do. They get they also tend to get pest planus. Um, they may get osteopenia and fractures. Then you have the most common ocular patients, which is ectopia lentis. 50% of Marfan's, um, people with Marfan syndrome will, will get ectopia lentis. And this is dislocation of the lens, which can lead to retinal detachment. Again, that, that's not a good thing. In terms of skin conditions, the most common is striae. You have striae on the knees, striae on the abdomen. And another one I should mention that's not necessarily in the cardiovascular skeletal of the skin ocular categories is pneumothorax. They can get spontaneous pneumothorax. One in ten will get spontaneous pneumothorax. Again, because less elasticity, less support in the lungs. So now that we know what pathology it causes, how does it usually present? And interesting enough, these people may come presenting with very... I mean, they, they may not come with any symptoms initially, but they come in, they, they have a higher chance of presenting with fatigue and just generalized pain. So not an easy differential. Fatigue is, it has 10,000 things that can cause fatigue, but apparently this can be one of them. Something to think about, right? Not necessarily very diagnosis, but that's why I guess you should keep an eye on the person in front of you. And if you see some dysmorphic features, which I'll talk about, then consider Marfan syndrome. And again, the most common complications they'll come in for is mitral prolapse, which can present with the heart problems, heart failure. Or if you examine them as murmur, uh, they can get dissection, which can present with back pain, severe back pain. They can come in with visual problems because of retinal detachment, again, a medical emergency, just like a dissection would be. They can come with back pain because of scoliosis or spondylolisthesis, or they can end up at the emerge. Or, in fact, in your office as well for spontaneous pneumothorax. So, these are the four, four or five causes that most likely they'll come in for, and then you can catch them. Mitral prolapse or dissection. 
So this section in a younger person always consider Marfan. Anybody below 50, I would say consider something like Marfan or another connective tissue disorder. Uh, visual problems, retinal detachment, specifically back problems, so back pain, especially if they're younger, and spontaneous pneumothorax. What can you do on physical exam to help you diagnose this condition? Observation, you can look at the skin for striae. Again, not specific, not a specific sign, but it helps it helps you ultimately get a better picture of what's happening. They have pectus carinatum or excavatum, so their chest is either indrone or outdrone. Again, because of the issue with the connective tissue development and strain, it affects the shape of, of the thorax. They might present with chest murmurs. Again, when you do the, the heart exam, you might hear a murmur of, of a mitral valve prolapse. Then you look at the extremities. And that's uh, the first thing is, again, long fingers. So long fingers, there's two tests you can do to, assume, to see if their fingers are really that long. And one is the thumb sign, and the other is the wrist sign. Take a look on the internet how those are done. It's a bit hard to explain. But generally, the thumb sign is you have them fold their thumb into their palm, and put their fingers on top. And if their thumb actually reaches over the end of their hands, that's a positive thumb sign. The wrist sign is where you, where you take one hand and you put it around, they put it around their wrist. And if their thumb and pinky finger are able to overlap, and, and I checked in my case they're not, then this is a positive wrist sign. Looking at the Extremities, uh, such as the legs and the feet, they have a reduced upper segment to lower segment ratio, aka long legs. They also have reduced height to arm span ratio, aka long arms. Um, what I'll do is, in the show notes, I have a link to a website that goes through the Marfan score and tells you how to measure those, shows you how to measure those, and how to calculate if they're normal. So the diagnosis is unfortunately clinical. There's no specific test you can make. And if you want to be very academic, you go with the Gantt criteria. And the Gantt criteria go like this. If there's no positive family history, uh, the worst diagnosis, you have presence of either an aortic root dilation or dissection plus any of the following. Ectopia lentis, FBN1 pathogenic variant, so you do gen genotyping, or a systemic score over seven points. So the systemic score is something you calculate by going to the link that I sent you. And again, it looks at different issues you, on the physical exam. If you have patients with a positive family history, then you just need an aortic dilation, topulentus, or systemic score over seven points. You don't need the FBN1 pathogenic variant. You just need one of those. Because, because again, it's autosomal dominant. And as I alluded, there's no test that can diagnose it. But if it, if you have some atypical Marfan's, there are certain tests you should be you should certainly consider ordering. And the first one is a thrust, thoracic echocardiography, because you're looking at the aortic root diameter, and you're making sure there's no dissection or dilation. That's number one, because that's what they die of. A dissection is it will kill them, so you need to do it an echo, uh, check their aortic root. Uh, in fact, I would even do an echo of, the, of their abdominal aorta as well. 
if you're able to do an MRI or a CT scan of the entire aorta to go ahead, that's the best test. If, but it's, sometimes it's hard to get those, you know, depending where you live. But an echo is also adequate. Uh, interestingly enough, in terms of other cardiac issues, they tend to get, they tend to be at higher risk. So Marfan, people with Marfan syndrome tend to be at higher risk for ventricular arrhythmias and QTC prolongation. So they would be a good candidate for doing an ECG or a Holter. An X-ray could be considered if you're looking for scoliosis or spondylolisthesis, or if they're coming to your clinic with shortness of breath, so you're looking for pneumothorax. You should con- consider doing bone mineral density earlier on in these patients, maybe in their 30s. There's no clear guidelines, but start early because they might have issues earlier on. They should have some kind of ophthalmologic follow-up to detect ectopia lentis. And consider genetic testing and genetic testing of their, of their children or if they're a child of the parents. So treatment, again, is symptomatic. There's no curative therapy. Really, it's about prevention of the most common complications. So the biggest complication, the one that kills, is the dilation or dissection of the aorta. Uh, These guys shouldn't be smoking. Certainly shouldn't be smoking. Yet, unfortunate thing is they should probably avoid high-intensity exercise. We're talking about contact sports or exhaustion exercise or isometric activities because they can cause rupture. Now, if you've done the, echocard- the echocardiogram and there's, they seem to be okay, then maybe they can do those activities, but they certainly shouldn't smoke. Some people, some specialists will advocate using beta blockers and ACE inhibitors to reduce progression dilation. We actually talked about this in a past podcast when I talked about the aneurysm. aneurysm. And while it may reduce progression, there's no good evidence that they actually decrease mortality. Oh, but it's something to consider. And certainly if they have hypertension, you should treat the hypertension. If there's aneurysm, then a prophylactic surgical repair for any aneurysm over 4 to 5 centimeters should be considered. So obviously if they have an, a dilation, you need to follow it every year to every 6 months, depending on the size, to figure out if they need surgical follow-up. And ophthalmologic surgery for lens extraction. The big thing is the heart again. Marfan, think heart. Think, uh, remember from, from today's podcast is the heart. Okay. The, because that's the one that will kill them usually. So what kind of follow-up will they require? So if you have a patient with Marfans, you should consider regular imaging of the order with an echocardiogram. And if you have the capabilities, an MRI or a CT, they should get ophthalmological appointments annually. If it's a pregnant woman, they're high risk automatically. They have high risk of cardiovascular complications, so they should be seen by a high-risk obstetrician who has experience with these types of patients. The good thing about Marfan syndrome is if you get good follow-up, so you make sure their heart's okay, make sure their eyes are okay, they don't have a normal life expectancy. So again, um, syndrome is a connective tissue disorder, which is autosomal dominant, that can be found in anywhere from 1 to 5,000 or 1 to 10,000 so there is a small likelihood that you might have a patient with it, and I might have a patient with it. In fact, I'm doing the follow-up with this patient, hopefully in the next month. It is a affects the connective tissues, specifically of the skeletal system, of the heart, of the skin, and of the eyes. The biggest 
these patients are often asymptomatic, but they will have some complications they can present with, the worst one being dissection or rupture of an aneurysm. Another one could be mitral valve prolapse. They might have retinal detachment, which is, again, an emergency and a bad one to have. Or they may present with spontaneous pneumothorax. So if those three conditions are occurring in somebody who's young, they're 50, suspect Marfan syndrome. And then uh, they might come with back pain because of issues with the back. Really, treatment is prevention. So you're, they're not smoking, you're controlling the cardiovascular risk factors, you're doing regular echocardiograms to evaluate the order, you're doing, considering doing uh, regular bone density scans, you consider setting them to regular eye appointments. And you may or may not give them beta blockers or ACE inhibitors. Uh, this can be managed by a family doctor. This can be managed by a family doctor. Although if things are getting complicated, they might need surgical follow-up or, or follow-up with a cardiologist and an ophthalmologist. Anyways, I hope this was helpful. I wish you a happy holidays to all. And we'll be back in January with more podcasts. Take care. Bye.